In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. As the kids would say, that is a spicy take. That's a hot take. Our Lord is cutting right to the chase of the matter. He's getting right to the heart of the issue. Those who were supposed to be spiritual guardians of the Jewish people had a lower status in God's kingdom than even the most shameful of sinners. And notice the context here to help us understand why Jesus speaks this word of judgment against the elders and the chief priests. This interaction follows the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. So in the timeline of the Gospel of Matthew, we are in the immediate time following Palm Sunday. So this interaction is part of the events of Holy Week. Jesus had come into Jerusalem being hailed as the Messiah by the people. He had already gone into the temple. He had kicked out all the money changers and those who were taking advantage of the poor. And now he has returned to the temple to preach. And the leaders of the temple are standing around dumbfounded. What gives Jesus the right to do this? Who licensed him? He doesn't have a seminary degree. The denomination didn't approve any of this. Do they know what's going on down here? What gives him the right to act like this? And they question him, not because they don't understand what's going on. They understand perfectly well what's going on. Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah. He's claiming to be the Son of God. He's claiming to have authority over the temple and over the people. He's claiming to be the promised Son of David who has come to save God's people. So when Jesus pronounces his judgment on them, when he tells them that the lowest sinners are preceding them into the kingdom, he does so precisely to point out their unbelief. Because it's unbelief that condemns any of us. Unbelief is what condemns us. Not having faith in Christ is that which will separate us from God forever. And conversely, faith in Christ is what saves us. Our righteousness before God is by faith. It is by belief, by trust. It's not by how good we believe we are keeping the law. We're not saved because we, are, because we believe that we are well-intentioned. We're not saved because we believe we are full of love for others or that we have all the right religious answers. No, it's faith alone in Christ that saves us. And so Jesus lifts up the tax collectors and the prostitutes here because they are the ones who heard John the Baptist preaching and who trusted that the Messiah was coming to save them. The Messiah was coming to save them from their sins. Now, there's a modern tendency to misread what Jesus is saying here. There's a modern tendency to want to believe that Jesus is excusing sin, right? A tendency to think that the stealing done by the tax collectors and the sexual sin of the prostitutes is no big deal in God's eyes, right? There's a tendency to excuse these people as simply the victims of an oppressive society and to believe that Jesus has come to validate these people as victims, but that's not what Jesus is doing. He's not saying that the tax collectors and prostitutes are good people who need to be accepted for who they are and that the chief priests and the elders are simply bad villains. 
He's not saying that these people are just victims who we need to feel badly for. Instead, he's lifting them up as people who deeply know their sin. These are the people who deeply long for the forgiveness that only Christ can give. John the Baptist preached to these people, and they confessed their sin. They acknowledged that they have a great need for a Savior. They knew they were stuck in their depravity. They knew they could not free themselves from the messes they have made out of their lives and the lives of others. And so they put their hope in the Lamb of God who had come to bear their sins. These are the people who knew deeply that there were not only problems with the world, but that there were problems deep in their own hearts. These are the people who had nowhere else to turn. No one in society regarded them as anything. They had nowhere, nowhere else to turn but to the Messiah, because the Messiah alone could absolve them from their sins. The chief priests and the elders, on the other hand, heard John's preaching of repentance and said, that's not for us. We work in the temple. Right? Why do we need a Messiah to come bear our sins? Why do we need an outsider from Galilee who has no credentials to come in here and to forgive us? We're the experts here. We're the experts on church and forgiveness. And so they didn't believe in Christ. They didn't see their sin. And they did not have faith in Christ who came to save them. They put their faith in themselves, in their own credentials, in their own knowledge, in everything that they had achieved. That's what they held on to. And so this is the word of Christ to you today. He forgives you. The response to this that the Holy Spirit brings to us as Christians is to keep putting trust into that word. You are forgiven. Believe it. The elders and the chief priests hardened their hearts against that message. They refused to put their faith in the message of the gospel. They rejected the preaching of John that the Lamb of God had come to bear their sins. And they rejected the message that Christ proclaimed that God through him was forgiving sinners. They simply rejected it over and over as something they did not need. Jesus' parable of the two sons reinforces this word for us this morning. In the parable, the second son is parallel to the chief priest. Right? They confess that they believed in God. They confess that they believe in the forgiveness of sins. But when God's forgiveness comes to them in the person of Christ, they reject it. The coming of Christ reveals their true hearts toward God, and that is of hearts who are hardened, hearts that truly reject God and put their faith in themselves alone. Yet in the parable, the first son, who was clearly a disobedient wretch, comes to listen to the Father's word. And these are the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, who were indeed sinners, but when God's forgiveness came to them, they held on to it. They believed in it. They had faith in it. That was their hope. There was no other hope for them in this world. There was no other good news for them in this world. And so when Christ came proclaiming forgiveness, their life was changed. They had faith in his word and trusted in him. And so everyone here this morning is a sinner. Everyone here has sins of which they should be ashamed. Everyone here has hurt others in the course of their life. Everyone here has acted selfishly. Everyone has pursued the pleasures and comforts of this world 
Everyone has been deceived by the devil's lies and temptations. Yet here we sit as sinners with the word of Christ to us, that the kingdom of God is open to you. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Christ has come into this world to save you, to give you rest, to make you a new creature. For you, Jesus Christ emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. For you, he humbled himself. For you, he became obedient to the point of death on a cross. For you, a sinner, Christ has died so that you may live forever. The chief priests and the elders would never believe that Jesus had come for them. They would never put their trust in him. And so they remained hardened and blind in their pride. But you sitting here today, you know that you need a savior. You can see all the ways in which your life has gone wrong. You know the evils of your heart. You know all the ways in which you failed to live up to the standard God has set for you. You know that you need Christ crucified for you. And that's the good news. He has been crucified for you. And now he welcomes you into his kingdom. And believe it, because that is your righteousness. Holding on with hope, with faith, into that word for you is your righteousness before God. That is the gospel for us. Amen.